This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Could we be seeing the end of the school tuck shop? Running a school canteen is becoming almost impossible for a lot of schools. They take a lot of work in coordination and schools are struggling to find parents or volunteers that have time to create the healthy menus that now a lot of schools require. Good morning, my name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host today, Jeremy Story Carter, a part of the National Regional Reporting Team. Jeremy... I, unfortunately, never had the excitement of knowing that my mum was going to be on canteen (laughs) duty at school because she always worked and she worked two jobs for a lot of her life. But I'm now almost playing that role with my daughter as a working mother. She's like, mum, you're never on canteen. I'm like, that's because I can't. So... That's more and more of an issue now for schools and parents. And whether or not the days of the, you know, the sausage roll, the donut, the big M at the tuck shop, are they going to be a thing of the past? Well, to be honest, I love my job. But to this day, one of my absolute all-time favourite jobs was getting to be the school canteen monitor once a month. So, you know, that power Mm -hmm. and the pride of getting to carry around the wire basket with the hot food and the brown paper bags, you know, that that sort of shepherd's pie, like mashed potato top starting to seep through and you just kind of... sauce leaking through the top. That's it. And you're going classroom to classroom responsible for what people have to eat. Honestly, dream job. Um... But rightfully, perhaps, since then, we've sort of seen, as you say, the expectations of canteens, school canteens, start to change for the healthier. Um, I know know there was a big backlash uh, when the chocolate was replaced by carob at my school. Uh, and the reality is that it's it's sort of becoming harder to stock and staff canteens. It really is, and many are dropping them all together or they're doing just, say, lunch orders once a week and working in conjunction with a, a local takeaway outlet. Many are outsourcing to private canteen companies or to catering companies if that's something that they can afford. But healthy options and being able to provide healthy options, that's trickier, right? So the school canteen in its simple days, the nostalgia that we're talking about, you would just pull up a roller door. Your main job was to maybe make sure that the pies had gone into the bain-marie an hour beforehand so that the sausage rolls and the pies and the pasties were warm. But you didn't have to go about, you know, making salads and Mm. hot soups and all of the things now that... Probably not as many dietary requirements as well. Um, I feel like pies is a bit of a through line of today's show, (laughs) that as much as we have nostalgia for them, there's probably not the ideal school lunch, particularly not on the regular. But... I guess at a moment when so many families are struggling with cost of living pressures, which we know have an onward effect on healthy eating and being able to provide kids with, you know, healthy food, um, it kind of makes you think, well, is there not actually a bit of a place for canteens, these pre-existing facilities in a lot of schools, to... uh, provide some of the answers there? And I know that's something that Vic Health have been calling for. They hand on heart believe that we should be able to provide free school lunches for all public schools. So what is the role of the tuck shop of the school canteen? Does it not matter if it falls away? At your school, are you struggling to staff it, to get the volunteers? Are you having to outsource it? What's happening? How healthy is the state of your school canteen? We've been reminiscing about everything from custard tarts to paddle pops. Are they anything more than that now? And is part of the reason why they're so hard to keep open because there's more pressure on parents now. Most parents, both would be working. The idea of having maybe one parent at home that can volunteer time, that's possibly a thing of the past. You mentioned dietary requirements. I don't think there was any allergies at my school in the 70s and 80s. (laughs) No, and you think about some of the pressures that you talk about very regularly on this program in terms of, uh, yeah, p- parents really not having that volunteer time that maybe once they might have had, even that's probably debatable, but also expectations on teachers to somehow fill the gap when we know teachers are already... Seriously, we can't be asking teachers to staff the canteen This as is well. right. So, and yet we'll hear later from uh, a school in a very, very small school in a regional town in Victoria that has uh, sort of had to pitch in but come up with quite an innovative solution for their canteen. But, yeah, it still does seem like we would stand to lose something if we just fully started outsourcing this whole uh, part of our school fabric. 
This text, clearly and honestly and hilariously, I can do school canteen duty, but my kids never come and see me. Ouch. And many people thinking that it's a funding issue. Charlie's in uh, Carlton. Morning, Charlie. Good morning. I, I didn't even know this was a thing. Um, it's, it's a so thing. Sad. I mean, surely, surely we should be paying for at least touch-ups to be staffed, but then also, you know... Feeding, feeding kids that can't afford it. I mean, I I, I, I know that the fancy private schools, they, they've, they've got enough money to, to pay for staff, yet they've probably got enough time-rich parents to volunteer. So it's a bit of a cruel irony there as well. And it'd be interesting to know, um, to hear from people about the divide between, yeah, some of those better funded schools and uh, those that might be a little bit less resourced. Because I know in the lead up to this program, speaking to different schools, we've sort of heard quite uh, different experiences. And Rish, yeah, I think... You, you you would like to think that there's a there's a place for those um, schools to to given how much money we spend in different sort of child health programs that school canteens is actually quite a logical place to start mm. uh, when it comes to kids health. Rochelle and Jeremy, some years ago, a couple of mums on the parents group at our primary school wanted to cut pizza slices from the tuck shop fare. Students got up a petition to keep the pizza slices, and they prevailed. That says Margaret in Richmond and others. Wednesdays at our breakfast club are run by. Volunteers. The canteen is privately run and it's quite expensive. Kids' lunches with the drink is close to twenty dollars, and which kind of sounds like going on the footy, really. Um, and I, I have heard that you know with the breakfast clubs at some schools, it's a pay if you can type model. Um, but again, the the idea of relying on volunteers and these sort of workarounds it seems and you need, not possible for yeah. everyone. And you can't even if let's say people from outside the school community said we will volunteer at the local school. You need all the checks and balances in place and working with children as well. So it's you know it's not that simple. Liz has called through. Morning, Liz. Yes, good morning to you. Now, when I was on the tuck shop, the mums, this is 20 years ago, the mums would rock up and we'd get everything. But now you have to have a certificate to say that you're qualified to serve food in the tuck shops. And what sort of food were you uh, overseeing in that tuck shop? Oh, well, we had sausage rolls, um, pie, pasty, a cocktail frankfurts, and a sandwich if they prefer, a Vegemite sandwich or something like that, and soup yeah. uh, in those days. I and mean, that's a, yeah. it was just two, two mums and we'd do that and kids would be happy. But these days you have to have so many things to do that even if the mums don't work, you have to go and get a certificate to prove that you can serve the food to the children. So what do you do? I think you've raised one of the issues. You know, there's, it's more complicated now to be able to help. Kate says our primary school canteen closed five years ago, not being able to get parent helpers. We've got 620 students at the school. It's been outsourced and it's available two days a week. No canteen experience for our kiddos. That's quite common, right? And I didn't know that, Jeremy, that outsourcing the canteen is happening in a lot of schools, again, schools that can afford it. But I had no idea. I thought it relied on volunteers, so I'm learning something today. Yeah, it sort of seems like if that's true in other parts of our lives, it would eventually filter through uh, to schools. But in regional areas, that may not be possible to sort of be part of that supply chain anyway. So you do have a sort of constellation of pressures there. Jennifer's in Sandringham. Morning, Jennifer. Good morning, how are you? Good. Um, my daughter runs the local school canteen, um, and so I have a fair amount of hands-on experience there. And we have a traffic light system with the food, which um, was suggested by the education department. So we have red, orange, and green being the types of food that you can serve. And the red ones, there's very, very few red ones that are ever sold. And Kate, What's, Kate, what's a red I'm, one? A red one would be something very high in sugar. Right. Do you actually okay. stock it or is the idea that you you try and dissuade we, people from uh, eating that? We will stock it if it's a special occasion only. Like at the moment we're doing um, Easter bunny muffins and they've got marshmallow ears. <laughs> and, they, <laughs> and they look absolutely adorable. Of course they do. <laughs> but, uh, and so I, you said I, your daughter runs the canteen. Is this almost yes, like a, a, a part-time job for her, Jennifer? 
No, it's full time. It's from, she gets there at 7.30 in the morning until maybe four o'clock at night because she actually cooks all her own food. So no, wow. um, the children, for example, will have a spaghetti bolognese and she'll make the bolognese sauce and put it in the pasta. And is this a volunteer position or a paid position? No, no, no. The school actually rents the canteen to Caitlin. Right. And she, she runs she it. Provide, she, she runs it full time and she has two part time people, wow. one voluntary and one who's paid. Um, and we're very much part of the school community. Amazing. Wow. And can I ask, is bolognese in the green light category? I'm still working my way through the traffic lights <laughs> yes. here. Yes, bolognese is green because yeah. um, it's got grated carrot, grated onion, minced meat, veggies in. Yep. and she puts lots of veggies in. And when she does the sausage rolls, they're the same. There's grated tea, uh, sorry, grated onions, grated carrots, and pork mints. I'm and finding out where the school up. is, and yeah. I'm going to wander up for lunch. Yeah. I mean, but that's yeah. interesting, Jennifer. Thank you. It's a small business. Yeah. It just so happens that the business that's happen is in a school. And it and the sort of thing that I mean that sounds fantastic, and I can imagine going uh, out to play in lunch on the back of a bolognese sounds pretty good to me. I would uh, want a nap after a bolognese, just quite these days, perhaps. <laughs> but that would require a critical mass of students um, to be able to support such a business, I suppose. So um, you know, it's a, that sounds like a wonderful model, but maybe not. Uh, applicable for a lot of schools. So is it important to keep the canteen open? So many texts on this. Yes, in England they provide free lunch. I totally agree we should be doing it here. Others saying our public primary school in the inner west outsources lunch orders, but they're only one day a week. So are you working hard to keep your canteen open? Have you thought of ways to work around it? Is it something... Do you work in the industry, you know, like Jennifer's daughter? Are you running it as your own business? How are you keeping that canteen sliding door open. This is the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hutt and Jeremy Story Carter with you. Jeremy, you're part of the National Regional Reporting Team. And we're talking school canteens today. And the moment you say that, Jeremy, it seems like a light-hearted conversation. Mm. But very quickly, you pull back the layers to discover that it's not. There, there is a lot to it. And even many texts coming in along the lines of why aren't kids bringing their lunches to school and that's a big part of this yeah and rich i love this one from um sue in reservoir it is so ironic my 14 year old daughter is taught all week about healthy eating but when it comes to the canteen it's full of icy bowls and chips it's far cheaper to buy a few free pre-frozen hash browns than a fruit salad i would happily volunteer but it's a private business and the only company that tended for the job was the one that got it my daughter says the food is now poor quality but much more expensive i wish I could volunteer and serve healthy but appealing food. And it's really funny to think that in this period over the last couple of decades where we've really rethought mm -hmm. uh, the sort of food that kids should be eating and a healthier approach, at the same time we've had these other forces of where it's become harder and more expensive to do exactly that and where private companies who can offer fro frozen, potentially less nutritious food become all the more appealing because simply they are cheaper. David Edwards, who's an AM, is the Chief Executive Officer of the Australian Schools Canteen Association. David, we're hearing canteens run in all different forms and ways and sizes depending on the school. Are canteens becoming a thing of the past? Are people as schools finding they're having to move away from them? No, there's certainly not a thing of the past, but they do need to adapt like... And, and you said it, they're, they're, they're businesses, so they do need to adapt like like any business. Um, the, the the real challenge is, is taking place in the primary schools. That There would be f very few secondary schools of you know, reasonable size that's, that don't have a canteen. Um, in Sydney, about 50% of those would be outsourced sourced to specialist catering firms. But those catering firms, if you get the right catering firm, they'll run the school canteen like it's run by the school. So, you know, all school canteens these days will have some professional staff, whether it's staff hired by the school or staff in the catering firm. Uh, and then they, you know, the, the lucky ones have volunteers to uh, to, to help and, uh, and, and make the job better. 
David, you mentioned uh, some challenges specific to primary schools. What are those? Well, the the healthy guidelines, and, and in most states they are guidelines. In Victoria, they're guidelines. In in other states, they're, they're kind of more like rules. <laughs> um, but but the healthy guidelines uh, are followed much more rigorously in primary schools for very very good reasons, uh, and that means you know it's it, it's hard for a school to and I'm probably thinking about state schools here, it's hard for state schools to run the canteen profitably. And, and governments don't provide any any funding to run canteens. Uh, they provide an educational budget, mm. and, and the school shouldn't be taking money out of that educational budget. That's the guidelines they get from the government. So... And being yeah, able to less... work in with the school and the parents and the guidelines, but it sounds like some schools are creating their own guidelines. And in researching today's show, it's very hard to see what schools need to provide or, more importantly, what they shouldn't be providing as well. David, stay with us. Sarah's called from Tatton, I think you're in, Sarah. Where are you, Sarah? Uh, Tatton, in North East Victoria. What did you want to say? Uh, just that school canteens, I find their core business is actually fundraising and it's not about the health of the children. So they do tend to be really quite um, unhealthy foods on offer options and, um, and extremely expensive David, there's been quite a few people talking about the fact that they are small businesses. And, I mean, is Sarah right? If they're running as a business, then they're running for profit, not for the health of children potentially. Well, it was, you know, in Victoria, and you know, I guess we're, we're talking about Victoria today. Most most school canteens are not run by catering firms; they're run by the schools. Um, so, you know, most most schools um, you know, need to to at least break even, but they're not looking to make a profit. Um, you know, in the past, when when they used to be more profitable, certainly that money went back into the school. So you could look at it as a fundraiser. Um, but no, that's not the case today. Can, um, can I ask, given that uh, you know, to produce uh, healthier food and fresher food is obviously going to come with a price tag and potentially even in some places there may not be the critical mass of students to be able no. to support that. Uh, is there more that um, from a funding perspective that could be done to help, given that we do spend money in other areas on kids' health and uh, kids' mm. well-being, is there more that could be done um, to support those schools where maybe it doesn't make sense purely as a business, but it is still a net benefit to the child's health? Well, interestingly, uh, you remember at the last state election, there was a proposal from from the, the coalition to to provide free mm. meals. That's actually not what uh, my organisation or, or myself supports. What we do p- would like to see is, you know, we, ha- we have great charities like State Schools Relief in Victoria and with semi, semi-government funded, semi, uh, my organisation provides some funding for it as well. They provide vouchers for school uniforms for vulnerable kids. I'd like to see vouchers for vulnerable kids, disadvantaged kids for their lunches. And I'd like to see some infrastructure funding in school canteens because in the past they had a pie warmer today you know they they want proper equipment because they're making fresh food so they can't they can't just use a pie warmer anymore (laughs) i find it fascinating that what it takes is essentially a small business and how complicated it's got versus how it once was but that goes to show just how much we've learned about what constitutes healthy eating david edwards thanks for your time we appreciate it Okay, thank you. He's the Chief Executive Officer of the Australian Schools Canteen Association. So many texts on this and ranging on everything from the nostalgia through to the importance of them, even if it's for the the social aspect of school, says Simon. But Helen says, my amazing clever friend runs a canteen. It's a private canteen in primary schools along the Ballerine Peninsula. All homemade, amazing fresh food. Great prices. This is a nice little ad for your friend. Anyhow, she employs a local mum and dad as well, part-time i see it as a win for the school as the food is being handmade and much healthier i like this um sort of counterpoint to some of uh what we've you know been going on about look i'm a school business manager says this text when the canteen was run by paid parents it took 
all day. So from 8.30 to 3pm. There was additional work for staff and it was inefficient. Two years ago, we tended and got a professional organisation. They work from 8 till noon and all I have to do is make an announcement for canteen baskets to go to the canteen. Give me professionals every day of the week. And I know that if I was fumbling my way through trying to cater for a school as a non-professional caterer. can cook all right, but it would take me all day. It would, and I would be less efficient. Mate, if you saw the way my husband top and tail beans, you know, one at a time, I'm like, come on, man, you can do more than one <laughs> bean at a time, you know. So that's not a discredit to saying don't please top we the beans. We can go into that, yeah. But there are quicker and faster ways to do things. This text, what about healthy food trucks that could travel around from school to school? And that actually brings us to some of the other issues that schools are finding themselves in with Uber Eats and finding, you know, some random wandering through the school with that iconic brown bag. That was a great development, was it? (laughs) (laughs) The thing about delivery drivers believing that they can just sort of walk everywhere and suddenly we started to see the sushi sort of coming into a girl's school and there's like a guy in his 30s wandering around. It's... um, yeah, not a great fit. Michael's in Richmond. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, what did a you want to say? Word. Well, look, I'm a cafe owner in Richmond, and I'm just going to put it out there, the fact that the word responsibility for our children, firstly, um, we've all been hit really hard with the current economic climate. We've been hard, hit hard with COVID. Why, why couldn't we work closely as a community mm. with, with the schools, create a menu that's palatable, work with the schools, work with the parents so that we could create a menu for them at a reduced price? It helps us. It helps them. And we're actually uh, creating a responsible landscape out there to help our kids mm. move on. Sorry, Michael, that sounds too I mean, practical. I actually think some schools are working in conjunction yeah, with local shops. So it is it is happening, Michael. But I, I think that's a great idea. And it happened back when I actually went to school. We had lunch orders once a week from the local milk bar, who happened to also be my neighbour. So I'd, you know, put in a good word to make sure that my pie was really hot <laughs> when it arrived. But... There's probably a bit more of that going on in regional areas, I think, where you that is the option. But when you have a a catering company that perhaps has people in a marketing department or you know are able to kind of make those points of contact and make it as easy for the school as possible, the sort of suggestion that Michael's making, which sounds pretty reasonable to me, might take a little bit more work and might. It's a great idea. It's though. a really good idea. Joanna's in Druin. Hi, Joanna. Good morning. How are you? Well, what did you want to say? I just want to say, I think that the canteens go a little bit beyond food for me. I volunteer in my daughter's school canteen, and it's for me, it's about the kids having the opportunity to play with money, which is an abstract concept and something that they're only developing in primary school. It's about them learning decision-making, uh, responsibility for themselves to come and get something. And, and for me, uh, it's a day that I look forward to. It's hard work. We work very hard, but... I know all my daughter's friends and I think that as she gets to be a teenager and there's peer group pressure and other issues that come up, that puts me in really good stead to be able to provide for her as well. Mm. Do you find it, I mean, we're in a really tricky point in time at the moment in society where lots of families are struggling and families maybe that hadn't struggled in the past. And one of the first things that I could imagine that would go in a family budget is money for the school canteen, you know, if you're if you're struggling. Does it start to put schoolyard pressure on kids, Joanna, do you think, for those that can afford to go to the canteen and those who can't? I think if you're in a, I've worked, I work in government schools as well, and I think that in government schools it might be a little bit more noticeable than my daughter's school, which is private, but there certainly are uh, differences in what families can afford. One of the things that we've introduced is um, five cent vegetable sticks. So the little kids that come with five or ten cents and want to buy something, we don't want them to miss out on the experience. So we chop up vegetable sticks, and I'm surprised at how popular they are so that everyone can sort of have that experience because I think canteens should be available for all children. I think that's really important Mm. that they are affordable. Uh, We only open once a week too, which I think helps. So there's not pressure to come every day of the week. It's just on a Friday and it's a bit of a treat for the kids. And I think that's happening more, isn't it? The the canteen's only opening Such a great idea though, five cent, because when I was a kid, it was five cent for a bag of like those chocolate drops that I think you kind of just put 
on cakes. And I thought they were the best things in the world. Teachers but, would love that. Yeah. Bag of chocolate drops before you rock up for maths in yeah, the afternoon. Yeah, absolutely wild. Um, but I think for a veggie stick, sounds like a much better option. This text, Rish, you don't need to tail beans. Really? Mm. I disagree. I think beans need to be top and tail. You know what, the little... Oh, I do it every night. ...bit yep. at the end. No. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Rochelle Hunt and Jeremy Story Carter with you. Talking the future of school canteens, are they becoming a thing of the past? And does that matter? You know, schools now either outsourcing to local firms, working with local restaurants or cafes. In Riddles Creek, the primary school there apparently uses the local bakery a couple of days a week. And others talking about the guidelines, you know, what actually constitutes and what should be in a school tuck shop now. And this says there were healthy canteen guidelines under the banner of um, Fit for Life, which is back under Brax and Brumby. There were very clear, clear rules about what could be sold. But at the moment, there's still just guidelines, right? There is no strict rules about you can still serve sugary drinks and you can still serve donuts and chocolate bars. Absolutely. And I think we're really getting a sense that uh, depending on where you are in the state and uh, how you're funded, that can really, and the number of uh, people, the number of kids at your school, that can really change the experience uh, of uh, at the canteen. Now, if you head uh, out in the southwest of Victoria, head to Hamilton, and you keep going another sort of 20 minutes uh, south of that, you'll find a very small school, uh, Branksholm Wallacedale Community School, the principal of which is Natalie Bennett, although I believe the kids uh, just call you Miss Nat. Uh, Natalie, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, tell me a little bit about your school and uh, its rather unique canteen. Yeah, our school, we have 13 students, so we're a tiny school. Um, and I'm the only full-time staff member. So we have different people in on different days running different programs. But last year I was approached by um, a Kids Eat Well advisor, Monique Sobey, who's just been wonderful for us. Because for a long time I've wanted to run the canine, but there's just so many roles for all of us to be able to manage. Um, She just came in with a few good ideas and lots of help with giving us a list of things that we could put in our canteen. So all I had to do was go with the kids and go through the list and pick what they wanted uh, and then, you know, pop down the supermarket and grab all those things and pop them out. The kids decided that they wanted to run the canteen as a fundraising fundraising experience. So they would... um, Anything that they raise as a small business would go towards their camps. That was their idea. So Incredible. Our camps, yeah, our is called the Camp Kitchen. Um, and so they've taken over our staff room. We've no longer got a staff room. <laughs> and um, they have their snacks set up and run the kitchen themselves. We don't do any of that part of it. But one day a week we have the kids cooking. Um, and the biggest focus for us is for them to choose foods that you could go and buy. I heard earlier someone mentioned that pizzas were cut from the menu. Well, pizzas wouldn't be cut from our menu, but we look at pizzas, things that you can buy for takeaway, how can we make them healthy? So the experience is for kids is to make healthy food that is easy for them to do and also using our produce from our vegetable garden that they tend to and harvest as well. So it's all done by the kids apart from the shopping and an adult watching on, helping them do it in the kitchen. Miss Nat, I love that you've found a way to turn this into a, an educational moment and a lesson. But on top of it, the kids are learning how to run a small business, the responsibility behind it. But then also the pride that you have when you sell something that you've made. Exactly, They just love it. it it's actually... Um, an event to watch them do it because we have a window coming out of the staff room. The kids could be serving, then one minute later I noticed one jumping out of the window so they could line up. (laughs) It's all about them and how they manage it. So, And they get to work out their profits and how much of a margin they want to put on top of it. But it's really about the healthy eating. Um, We've been working with the healthy food advisor, but she's through Stephanie Alexander, and the Kids Eat Well program. So any school can access that and that assistance. It's good to have 
someone who's just to throw ideas and chuck resources at you and they've been amazing with um, providing us with a blender, provided us with a slow cooker, just things that we're using in the room that we can, the kids can use with supervision and yeah, really good. And it's not that big of a job for me, which was what I was That's crucial. Absolutely. That's important. That was my concern. I mean, it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. But just you, and I mean, we uh, like on programs like the Country Hour and certainly in, um, on this program as well, you so often hear, um, you know, producers and those in the agriculture space trying to get kids involved and understand where their food is coming from and how it's grown. Are you saying that there's actually like a veggie garden there that kids uh, have a direct relationship between that and what they're cooking? Yep. So they plant and um, tend to and harvest our vegetable garden. So that's one area that we take our um, ingredients from. We've also got a native food garden. So lots of our... um, you know, our mints, our, so we'll use river mint and all that from there. And our chooks are running around for our eggs. Um, and then, you know, when they pick their, if it's a pizza, um, they'll have a few different ingredients more that they need and I'll pop into the supermarket to buy them. So um, it's really about using what we can use and that sustainability and letting them learn. Uh, it's the biggest thing so yeah. that they can see that as they age, they can make that easy meal rather than go and buying a $20 pizza. They can actually do it for a couple of dollars. And that's a lesson that you take home with you and you grow up with as well, which is super important. Um, Miss Nat, can I ask, you mentioned this was a a fundraiser. As as, as successful as this model seems, 13 students, there's not a lot of customers. So how (laughs) how is the, the fundraising efforts going? Well, to be honest, um, we have been exceptionally lucky by people, um, anonymous people out in our wonderful state of Victoria who have sent us money in the mail because they know that this is what the kids are doing and are really impressed that children are taking that independence and that responsibility um, and another quite big donation. So we're going to have a fantastic fifth this year. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah, their actual fundraising, you know, they might come up, I think by the end of the year, if they make about $200, we'll be wrapped. <laughs> Love it. And we actually, we honestly heard earlier that the importance of school canteens as a place to learn a little bit more about money and just sort of how uh, this sort of exchange happens. So even that seems uh, pretty important, uh, let alone the fact that the camp is probably going to have some pretty good food at it too. That's it, and they'll be able to cook half of it. Well, I hope so. So wherever we go from camp, we'll be cooking the adults. So that'll be interesting. We'll have to go and do our bit of research as well to make sure it's healthy. (laughs) And just finally, very quickly, Miss Nat, because there's a question, very important uh, probing question on the text line. Uh, How clean is uh, the, well, what do we call it? The staff room slash school kitchen. It is exceptionally clean, but that's not the children. They do <laughs> clean it after using it, but I must say I go give it a clean and we have our um, cleaner come in the same night to clean it again. Crucial. <laughs> yeah. Well, I imagine yeah, it's, it, done. Uh, it's tricky sort of doing anything in a school that size with uh, really just you and a you know, couple of others sort of passing through. Mm-hmm. So it um, well does sound really terrific. Uh, Natalie Bennett, principal of the very small uh, Branks Home Wallacedale Community School, thank you so much for joining the conversation thank you hour. Thank for the opportunity. Yes. Have a great day. See you, Miss Nat. I love the idea of just taking it and running with it as an opportunity and for a small school as well. How wonderful is that? But then here, look, on the flip side, this is from Kim. I work as a teacher in a boys' Catholic school and our canteen is beep, reheated pizzas, dim sims, soft drink, hot dogs, lollies. The boys come to class. They're buzzy and then they slump. It's great to hear this issue being raised. And unfortunately, we know that it is easier to have pizza, dim sims, food that will make kids buzzy and then slump. It's harder to create and to make healthy food, which is why we're seeing the tuck shop sort of fall away a little bit. Murray's on the Mornington Peninsula. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Before we start, I think I love Miss Nat. Oh, fantastic, right? Isn't she gorgeous? That is so good. Hey, um, this is really close to my stomach. I love this. Um, 
I've actually been working up in remote community and we refurbish the cooking school and we teach six and seven-year-old kids how to cook for seven and eight people. And when they take that meal home to their parents, mm. their parents are blown away. They're like, my kid can cook this? Absolutely. So back when we come back to Melbourne, I was with Dramata Secondary. I was a school council principal for, uh, sorry, school council president for five years. Schools have to be education centres. We, we've got massive obesity problems. It's costing us a fortune at the health end. We have to legislate and just go, let's not dance around it anymore. When you go to vote next, if that party doesn't say we're going to look after our kids at school, don't vote for them. This is so important and costing us so much money. It's time for us to really say enough. It's it's mm. in the billions, not in the sort of millions. And this is where, and look, we'll be touching on this a little bit tomorrow on the Conversation Hour, where it looks at the responsibility of big business and how easy they make things like junk food, how cheap junk food is, the labelling around it, the accessibility of it as well. And it does cost us all in the end. It might be cheap to begin with, but it, it does cost us all. And education comes in to that as well. Let's have a chat with Marlo. Now, Marlo, you run a count canteen. You're outsourced, so you run this, I guess, as as your business. How? Yes, I do. How hard is it to, and how much work is involved in running your canteen? Oh, day-to-day, -day, a fair bit. Um, it, I mean, staffing types of food, catering to um, teachers' needs. Um, it has a fair bit of, it does have a fair bit of work to it. Um, I still love it, but it still has a fair bit of work to it. Um, and being self-employed, um, you are only limited to, I mean, really, what, you can provide. Mm. So what do you mean by that? That you have to, sometimes you have to provide junk food? Well, yes, because, I mean, a lot of the students, I mean, we offer salads, we offer um, meals, I mean, we offer all, um, fruit salads. Do, we do have healthy op options, but um, you do have to cater to a certain amount of the students not wanting them. So, and then, I mean everything becomes a bit more complicated that way. Um, I mean, we have chips and things like that, but they have to be certain sizing, um, drinks, fruit juice based. So, I mean, to actually come out on top, we do need to allow to make, I mean, mm. yeah, some it's, choices uh, the way. Can yeah. abs absolutely hear the business implications of that. Can I ask what it's costing from the kids' perspective? Like what an average kind of trip, maybe a drink and something for lunch, what that would look like? Well, I try. I do try to keep the cost low. So, um, I would say a standard lunch order. You're looking at about six dollars. Do you have much involvement with the school? Do you work closely with the school? Do they give you input? Do they talk to you? Do you have to show them menus or anything like that? No, no. Um, if there's an issue, um, then they'll come and talk to us. If there's something they want in place or not want in place, then they'll come and talk to us. But basically, it's up, well, it's up to me to set what I'd like to serve. Marlo, thanks for your time and your insights. It's good to hear from you because there's so many different perspectives and it feels like every canteen is run differently. I, I am surprised, Jeremy, I have to say that the school's not involved. And, you know, I mean, people like Marlo are running a business, yeah. essentially. But if the decisions are then, okay, I either work for no profit or I put in cheaper options, which equals junk food, then that's having implications on the school and the students. So it does feel like there needs to be more communication. Absolutely. Now, um, Deborah Grosek is the principal at the Glendale uh, Primary School. Uh, Deborah, thank you so much uh, for joining us on what I imagine is always a busy day uh, for you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, how hard it is to sort of keep a canteen running with some of the um you know realities that we've been talking about and then the ideals that you know you would love as a principal to sort of be passing through that canteen yes certainly and i was interested in listening to marlo because we actually don't run a canteen at the school we outsource to our local milk bar on Willow Avenue. And um, so they are running their own business as well as providing uh, meals for our school. But we do work very closely with them uh, on the menu. So uh, we have a partnership there. We've had it approved by school council and we look at healthy food options. Mm -hmm. But gone 
is when schools because we actually have the facilities we've actually got a yeah yeah lots of schools don't i know my primary school didn't how much control do you have even if it is outsourced to the local milk bar or cafe around the types of food because there's only guidelines around what constitutes healthy food within a school environment but there are texts flying in saying why is no one doing anything about the new high energy and caffeine drinks that are being sold at schools others saying i'm shouting at the radio right now how is it that there's still junk food on the menu in school canteens i just don't get it how much control as a principal do you have, Deborah? Well, we ask them not to. I, I guess at the end of the day, we would look to a different option if they weren't sort of more compliant. I mean, there's a lot of healthy foods um, on here. There's the odd hot dog and pie, but most of our students would be, I mean, there are, and there are salads and there are things like lasagna and macaroni cheese. They're very popular. We don't have anything provided in glass because that can break and we have we have asked them to remove certain items from the drinks menu because I think mainly in secondary schools you've actually got students coming in with their Red Bulls and, and all the other options and they're on selling them to students because it because um so I think kids are selling their drinks to other kids. Uh, yeah, I've heard. So in that, the future, so. right? They'll make great entrepreneurs. But at the time, a you don't want a Red Bull in your school, and then you don't no. want them. Just this is, by the way, a bit of a sleeper issue because obviously energy drinks have been around for a while. But there's this new one that's out that is uh, very popular, promoted by some. Uh, well, no, I won't use that word to describe them, but some internet uh, characters, and it's it's becoming very, very popular in schools, and now schools, uh, particularly in WA, are starting to ban them. Um, so I imagine that's a massive challenge uh, from the school perspective. I'm interested, we heard from a cafe owner earlier who was saying, look, we'd love, in a difficult economic climate, we'd actually love to get a little bit more involved in this space. From the milk bars perspective, do you get um, the sense that it's added an important extra layer to their business mm. at a time where maybe you know, business is a little bit tricky? We've worked with them for years and years and years. Even though they've changed management, it actually provides them with a lot more business than they would normally have. So it's it's their core business, but they're also open, you know, for the local community as well. And I don't, we wouldn't, uh, I've only experienced at one school, a child coming in with, with these high energy drinks for breakfast as provided by the parent. Um, so we had to manage that as a separate thing. I imagine uh, because of the way the ordering of the lunch order is, the parents are writing the lunch order order, putting the money in a, a you know a, a brown paper bag. It comes to the school, school takes it to the milk bar, and then the milk bar owner brings lunches back and we distribute them. So it's not the children bringing money, going to a canteen mm. and buying like the parents are in control of this so it's different um, isn't it that model absolutely i love that that's still working too and working with the local business deborah we know how busy you are so thanks so much for your time we appreciate it oh you're welcome thank you see ya deborah grossick she's the principal of the glendale primary school and i wonder too whether there's less stress about always having only healthy options if you only have lunch orders available once a week. So if it is a Friday special treat, it's not, oh, I've managed to pull together a couple of bucks that mum and dad don't know about and I can go to the school canteen and I can, you know, mm. buy a, I don't know, a chocolate bar and hot chips or whatever it may be and no one knows about it if it's relatively controlled that's different again. I'd be interested as well to know, uh, you've spoken a little bit about packed lunches and, um, you know, the pressure on some parents. Like we've even seen this phenomena of like, you know, school packed lunches for social media. So sort of things that go viral on TikTok amongst parents groups, which is quite an odd idea to me. It's very Um, strange. But I wonder whether there is still that stigma at all uh, in the school ground to having you know, the the glad wrapped sandwich or that sort of uh, brought old-fashioned lunch yeah because i remember in my school you know like there'd be people who just throw theirs away out of some sort of sense of you know shame or whatever because it you you want it to be seen eating a a pie and a sausage roll or something like that and then you take it to the next level around the conversations now of should we be forgetting about the canteen and putting more of a focus into providing free lunch and healthy lunch to every state school to every child so that there is an assurance that no matter your background, no matter what is happening 
in your financial circumstances at the moment that you know that your child is getting one warm and healthy meal every day. But some of the research that's been done, school canteen research that's been done by Vic Health, still felt, found that the top food sellers in most schools are soft drinks and other sugar-sweetened beverages, baked goods like muffins and cakes, ice creams, icy poles, packet chips, potato chips, hot chips, and then things like, you know, it says here, crumbed chicken products, which we know are um, nuggets, you know, pies and, and pastries. Sounds like a kid's birthday party at a bowling alley or something. <laughs> Lucinda Hancock is the CEO of Nutrition Australia. Lucinda, the future of canteens and tuck shops, it really sounds like it's changing and evolving and it depends on the size of the school, uh, the availability of parents to run them and the changing nature of working in conjunction with outsourcing school canteens. How concerned or not concerned are you about the, the food that's being served in schools? Uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me. Yes, we're really concerned. Um, we do have, um, you know, some information that, you know, around generally secondary schools have canteens open about two times a week, um, with many of them being outsourced and operated by third provide, third party providers. And also with primary school canteens open less than three days a week. And that's sort of a mix of of ordering and with internal volunteer run or externally operated, as we've already heard. And then sort of regional areas that's got smaller primary schools and likely to use sort of local businesses such as bakeries to provide lunch. So um, as, as you've said, we still know what a lot of the schools are providing. And uh, unfortunately, um, we or we do fortunately have a um, Victorian canteens, healthy eating and other food services policy. However, the disappointing thing is that it's not enforced by the um, Department um, of Education. Yeah, it's just guidelines, so, isn't it? Can I ask mm-hmm. on, on that exact point, though? Because I think we, uh, broadly speaking, other than the nice treat days, we could accept the idea that uh, healthier food is better, so more you know, fresh food, more fresh vegetables, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But any of us, everyone listening here who's been to a supermarket any time recently knows how expensive it is actually to eat well or how expensive it can be. Um, so how, when you're yes. thinking about this, how do you square the idea that... Uh, you know, freshly prepared vegetables somehow integrated into a meal is quite possibly going to be more expensive than a uh, deeply frozen hash brown or a crumb chicken product, that sort of thing. How do, you, how do you make sense of that and make it a viable thing for schools if you do enforce it? Yeah, it's a terrific question. So we have a um, a state-funded program called the Health Advisory Service. So that is a free service provided to all schools in Victoria that's funded by the Department of Health, um, as well as another new initiative which we're working in partnership with uh, Cancer Council Vic called Vic Kids Eat Well. And uh, essentially, you know, what we use through our service is we have a whole lot of support to schools through online menu assessments and training, but a lot of really great case studies from particular schools which show how they've been able to make healthy eating Mm. a priority and also financially viable. And that would be possible, though, listen to if it was the school that was running the canteen. But as we've heard today, a lot of them are outsourced and... From what we can gather, there's not a lot of communication sometimes between the company that's running the canteen and the school. So it makes it tricky, doesn't it? Oh, most definitely. And I think that's where there needs to be um, a mandated or enforced um, guideline um, or the policy to be enforced because if that was the case, then, um, you know, the whole school community would, you know, have to communicate more effectively and efficiently to ensure that the food they're providing is really nutritious for children. Um, And we know over in the West, in WA, uh, the policy is actually mandated and that makes a huge difference with engagement of schools. Do you think there should be more funding in this space? I know we actually heard a counter-argument from the Canadians Association that school lunches shouldn't be free. Um, but do you think particularly for, maybe not across the board, but for those in uh, you know, lower socioeconomic regions or you know, kids whose families are experiencing hardship, that there should be more um, you know, subsidies for, for people in that position? Oh, look, I think there definitely should be subsidies for people who can't afford it. Um, You know, every child has the right to, you know, nourishing food. And what's really important, particularly in Victoria, 
coming out of COVID is, you know, the mental health impacts. And we know there is a direct line between children's mental health or our mental health and eating nutritious foods. So, you know, we know that a lot of schools are now prioritising, sorry, mental health within yeah. the school. Really, that goes hand in hand with provision of, you know, nourishing, tasty food for kids. As we said right at the beginning, it seems like a light topic on the surface, the school canteen, that it's nothing about a bit of nostalgia, but when you strip it away, it's such an important issue. Listen to Hancock, thanks for your time. Thank you very much for having me. CEO of Nutrition Australia. This text, it says, you could flip the thinking, maybe a healthy lunch order might be the first healthy meal that that child has had for the week due to time. Poor parents lacking education around nutrition as well. Kathy in Ocean Grove says, we have a delightful local cafe that offers Friday lunch orders to our local primary school. Dumplings, lasagna, no soft drinks, just lunch. It's a delicious occasional treat and they do it for under $10. It's really complicated. <laughs> and one thing that I've kind of gotten in my head quite a bit during this is this idea, I think we've established a, a more modern approach to healthy eating at schools, but generationally there still be maybe a bit of a lag there. So the, the kids, we've had a couple of people text through saying, oh, you know, at my kid's school they have rice paper rolls and that sort of thing. And if you think... That may actually be, it sounds a bit strange, but the first person in that family to eat rice paper rolls or sushi or salad rolls prepare different types of salads. We know that in the there's been this huge sort of generational jump when it comes to uh, different types of food, different types of healthy foods. That's, mm. And the importance of kids actually being able to bring that home with them, that knowledge, that enthusiasm, that's that excitement, whole, yeah. uh, rather than just being perpetuating this idea of, okay, pie and sauce type lunches. It's actually really important. I feel like regional Victoria is kicking goals here with some of the incentives and initiatives that they've got. Another text here saying in the small town of Yay, lunch orders are once a week to the primary schools with a local cafe. They sell rolls, rice paper rolls, like you just mentioned. It takes wonderful effort at the local cafe. Some parents also contribute and coordinate it as well to set it up. It's been working really well now over the last 12 months and we just love it. That's from Tash. So working in conjunction with small and local businesses, maybe making it once a week as well so you have those options. The fact that there is no guideline, well, there's no law, it's just a, a rough guideline that people can work to as well. It's been interesting. Jeremy Story Carter, as always, thank you. You're welcome. I'll be back with you tomorrow, as will Dr. Sandro DeMaio tomorrow. We'll be looking at some of the changes they would like to see to vaping. That's tomorrow. Until then, take care. Speak soon.